tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time I feel alive And the world will turn it inside out, yeah I'm floating around in ecstasy So don't stop me No, I won't do that one Because the falsetto's not ready I got, I got to warm up the yeah, falsetto. Yeah, right. We'll do something like, let me think, something that's just like, uh, maybe just Bohemian. All right. You know what I mean? Like I did in the... Yeah. We'll just do a Bohemian. That's right. Yeah. Okay? Mama just killed a man Put a gun against his head Pulled my trigger, now he's dead Mama Love had just begun And now I've gone and thrown it all away Mama Ooh I didn't mean to make you cry If I'm not back again this time Tomorrow Carry on Carry on As if nothing really matters Sometimes you have to cross oceans just to make connections a bit closer to home. This week's case in point, Johnny Zatilny, a Canadian singer I once helped land a job in faraway Germany. Some friends of mine over there had a very successful Queen cover band back in the day. This is Europe we're talking about and Queen is big business and they needed a new singer. So they had some old video of this guy Johnny. He had ridiculous vocal range, he stalked the stage a bit like Freddie, and he even had a touch of that famous overbite. I was the only North American in that crew, so they had me call him and basically interview Johnny. Well, I liked what I heard. 20 years later, Johnny and I are running that conversation back again for this episode, this time over Tito's and Soda. Johnny is now one of the world's top Freddie Mercury cover singers, and he was back in his hometown of Montreal headlining a fundraiser. We recorded this before COVID, but some truths are just timeless. Old friendships are the best friendships, and vodka soda is just delicious. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. Check it one, two. Oh, we need Johnny more. Johnny Z from Montreal. We need more. Ready to rock. That is Johnny Blue. Z. This is a Richmond Theater Morgan. En français. I get my I get my French and German mixed up when I get out here. Is this what you've gotten from 20 years in Germany? Yeah, so, yeah. I'll, I'll arrive here in Montreal and they'll speak to me in French and I'll answer them in German. <laughs> I'll go, what did I just say? They're, <laughs> they're looking at me like, they. I'm like, well, I just spoke French. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> so there's no end to ways to yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. offend. Yeah. All right, well, let's have a sip of this, and right. then uh, you can tell me what we're drinking and why. So mm. first, cheers. Cheers. Great to be here. Glad to have you on, Johnny. Right on. So we're drinking uh, Tito's Vodka with uh, some uh, club soda. Reason being, it's, you know, less sugar, a little bit healthier. Traveling a lot, you want to keep fit, you want to stay healthy, and... As you get older, you just want to be prepared for for my rock and roll shows. And and your old diet of bottomless chocolate banana banshees Ooh. and you gotta strawberry find a balance. daiquiris. You've got to find a balance. 
Fair enough. Tito's uh, is even, uh, as you had pointed out, it's even like gluten free. It's a little, it, yeah, it's a little yeah. healthier. A little healthier. You wake yeah. up, you wake up, uh, not so sore. But it's the sugars, I think, that kill you. So it is. Yeah. So any anything that can keep us in the game a little bit longer, well, that's get you I'm fit all for, for your it. show. I'm all for it. You have a concert tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that show. So ten years ago, uh, my brother had a son born and he had a heart defect and um, right away they had some emergency surgery and we met a doctor cardiologist uh, Dr. Suzanne Borbecki and she operated on Xander successfully and um, so I got to know her about her foundation and she's uh, been wanting to put this show on for many years now the idea came about where we can bring the music of Queen and uh, collaborate with the with the people, especially children, who've uh, successfully recovered from heart surgery. And so uh, we'll have a few, we'll have a lot of kids there tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah. So a lot so, of the a yeah. lot of the kids who've gone through her system and program through, her yeah, surgery. Exactly. So, uh, and probably we're, I think we're gonna happily ha- have a couple that are gonna sing. They're gonna sing because uh, the theme of the whole event is we're the champions, survival and uh, coming back. So. That seems like a... That's going to be interesting. That's a in the Venn diagram of like, you mm-hmm. know, kids with heart ailments and yep. queen song titles. Right. It feels like We Are the Champions is that's where it's you want to be. Yeah, that's so awesome. She's had this idea for many years and we've talked about it, but finally come and made it happen this year. So, um, All right. Well, we are, we are going to work our way back around right. to how it is that you are the man to call when... You want Queen's music performed mm-hmm. live anywhere yeah. in the world. Mm. Um, but first, let's start with the town that we're in, the town that you're from. Right. Tell me a little bit about growing up in Montreal as, as, uh, as Johnny Zatilny. Well, I felt fortunate growing up here. We uh, were born in a small town called Greenfield Park. which was on the south shore of Montreal. Anglophone community growing up, and uh, still is, basically. Mostly Anglophones living there, but uh, we just had a great... Great childhood, you know, a lot of sports activities, a great group of people growing up. So it was. And what was your parents' background? That they were not French Canadian. No, um, my grandfather came in from Poland, and uh, my mother's side, Newfoundland, and they came together here in a small uh, district in called Point Saint Charles, uh, just uh, south of the city of Montreal. So. My parents met there, and then they moved to the South Shore after after marriage. And what what uh, when what years were these when you were growing up here? Oh, nineteen uh, sixties was the early years of, of Greenfield Park. And what's the what was it like being in an Anglophone community? This was it was, it was a challenge sometimes because uh, you know we had we had a few districts where it was mostly Anglophone, but then we're surrounded by a lot of the French culture around French population. So especially sporting events, growing up playing hockey, and, and uh, I mean, young kids, we had to get escorted out of arenas because of the French-English uh, rivalry, you know? It was crazy. I'm telling you, this was, like, we had escorts at 10, 11 years old. Wow, because yeah. otherwise the other kids were just going to try to kick your ass or the It wasn't just or... the kids. Yeah. It was the families. It was the parents. It was mad. <laughs> They're yelling at us, and we're like, you know, hey, we just want to play hockey. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, I guess, you know, unlike Alberta, which is far away from French Canada, you guys are Anglophones that are like right here yeah. in their like right. their spiritual exactly. homeland. Exactly. Yeah. And it was different back then. It was, 
you know, that culture is more passionate back then. It's changing as, as the as years go on, but back there it was very passionate, you know. So, how did your parents navigate that? Did did they was was it a problem for them on some level or no. professionally they were okay? No, they were they were good. It was all good. It's just you know, we had our you know situations where they would come around, mostly in the, in sporting events, you know. But uh, and as as an Anglophone community, did you guys did you learn French? I mean, you're, oh yeah, you're back here speaking Definitely. speaking German to the yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the Quebecers, but I'm getting mixed up now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so you would have been, you would have yeah. been a part of kind of French Canadian. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had to go to school. We had to learn our French. It was, uh-huh. we, yeah, definitely, you know, being Quebecois, you have to learn your French. It's, it's, it's part of the, part of living in Quebec, you know. And do you, as, as an Anglophone dude who grew up here, do you describe yourself as Quebecois or do you say yeah. Canadian well, first? Both. Both. Uh-huh. You know, uh, proud to be Quebecois, proud to be Canadian. Yeah. Know? So it's both. Yeah. Definitely. Polish. Oh, I don't say it so much. <laughs> when the name comes up, of course, you know, yeah, right. crossing a border. <laughs> yeah, Zatilny is, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not hiding no. uh, out there, but yeah. got it. So, um, all right, so you grew up here. Uh, what was your first experience with music? Like, how did you get... Well, uh, I remember going to... It started in high school when I really uh, got into it. Just after elementary school, going to high school, you know, meeting new people and... There's no middle school in... in, No, after grade six, we went right into high school. Okay, got it. And I remember distinctively, I was not, uh, you know, great academic student. And it was like, I remember just sitting in the room and like waiting, you know, till the class was... And then one day, uh, somebody came in the class and said, we're going to have a surprise for you today. So we want everybody to meet at the the auditorium for two o'clock. So we're like, okay, what's going to happen? You know, not knowing what it could be. But so anything would it be could better been, than your yeah, classroom, I was right? just dying to get out. So I remember sitting there, and then all of a sudden the curtains opened, and this guy comes screaming down with this guitar, you know? And I was just mesmerized. I'm like, what is this? And it was a band from California called Free Fair, and they toured all the high schools in North America. And so when I saw that, I was just blown away, and I was sitting there. And I remember after it was all done, I got up from my chair and walked out of the theater... And um, I'm thinking, now I know what I'm going to do with my life. That was it. That was it. That was the defining moment right there. I saw that show and that was it. I had a mission. Wow. Yeah, I had a mission. Boy, you must have become an even worse student after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're like, well, that's now it. I've been touched by rock and roll. Exactly. And I was just uh, totally immersed in, in that. You know. What kind of gig was Free Fair? Do you remember? Like, I still, was... I, it was like a, like a rock theater show. It was pretty cool. I wish I had contact with these guys to thank them. You know? Right. Because... For... That was so inspiring. It was just, and it was so well done. I thought it was, it wasn't just a rock show, but it was like a theater show. And it was combined into one really. Wow. So that was really on point. It was. It's not just like, yeah. oh, vaguely music, but like, yeah. I want to be like theatrical exactly. and musical. It was and... just, uh, yeah, I just, I just remember getting up and saying, that's it. That's what I'm going to do. Did you have any musicians in the family? Any? No, I was the first one. You know, but I knew I could sing. That's the thing. I knew I had a voice. So I knew I would sing. And I remember first learning to sing. I would gather my siblings in the house and they would sit them down and they were my audience. You know, they would, I would sing to them. And my sister would say, Johnny, I was so scared. <laughs> I was playing kiss songs and <laughs> doing the moves. And they had, to, they had to applaud after I was done, you know. 
<laughs> they were scared of letting you down as, exactly. the, as the audience. Uh, how many siblings are we talking about? Two brothers and a sister. Okay, and they're yeah. all younger than you. Yeah. So they were you. They were your dolls. <laughs> I was. I was the. I was a babysitter, so I was right. in control. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's a great thing to do if you have yeah. to be looking after some kids. It's like, okay. screw you guys. I'm, Mom and Dad's gone. Yeah. You sit there. You sit there, and you sit there, and now listen. You got a thirty-minute show. Watch my pelvic gyrations <laughs> yeah, exactly. sung over black metal <laughs> lyrics and. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to have a night. Yeah. So there was something in there where you're like, all right, what, however it came, yeah. not only do I want to do music, but I know that I'm going to sing to get there. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. All right. So what was the first band that you ever put well, together? Well, we had a band. We just picked them up at a, in my town, a little band called the Choir Boys. That was a cool name. Yeah, that is a good so name. So we had, we had that band, and we just played local little venues around uh I'm guessing it was a, some some kind of like ironic name, yeah. Yeah, well, you were not the choir. Well, I voice. was. Oh, I you was were. in a church. Well, I wasn't a choir. But I, was an, I was an altar boy, but okay. I figured you know. <laughs> yeah, the altar boys enough. is a little. Yeah, might yeah, draw that, out the wrong yeah, crowd. That, 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah, we just started off with a small garage band, and it just grew to another band called Rocks, and then another. We took that name to another level with Simon Says, and so for 20 years I was working, you know. That was years. twenty years, including in the my Simon hometown. Says. Yeah, so yeah. it was like Choir Boys, uh, Rocks, and then Simon Says all together from our hometown. And what was the what was the live music scene around Montreal? It was uh, good. That, yeah, it was good. The, the The thing was, we played a lot of the shows in downtown Montreal. There was a great club called the Mustache, and it was right across from the Forum where all the big acts played. So people would come after the show come to the mustache and watch us sometimes the, some of the acts would come into the club and pick up a guitar and, you know like ozzy used to come over wow into the mustache and just join a band after a show you know that's a i mean one that is a fucking great yeah. name for a rock yeah. club yeah the mustache, the mustache. And, like and, who, and you know what here i am 20 years later wearing a mustache <laughs> so not on your days off no 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 <laughs> Yeah, uh, on your days off, you're you're a hairless wonder. But yeah. <laughs> when the when the when the lights go up and yeah. the curtain comes down, yeah. uh, there it is. Uh, but the, the scene was great. The music scene in Montreal was great. We played a lot. We mustached a lot of the great clubs, and a lot of people came out to see us. It was it was really it was a good start. Yeah, a really good start. Uh, that's a that's a fun time. Tell me about tell me about Simon Says. So we got together and we we were working a lot of the clubs around Montreal, but we decided we were going to uh, make a, make our own original record. So we got together, went to the studio, and put some money together, created a, an album, and it was really successful. We had one of our songs on uh, on the top rock station here in Montreal called Show Em FM. They played it for a year. The Promise was a big a single from that CD, and we did really well. And then... Uh, and then from then on, the, the sort of the guys sort of like you know they went their way. You yeah, know, it was time for some of the guys got married and you know. Got, right, they would have been in their early thirties yeah, or something like yeah. around that. And there. it was time for them yeah. to move on. I was the only one that said no, no, I'm not, no, I can't do that. But you know, one got married, another one started a career, and it just it went on their way, which yeah. that's life. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, I, you're you're looking at a. Um, prematurely or maybe maybe even too late retired musician right here like yeah. you know this is I, yeah. I was talking with uh with with i know my friend and your bandmate who uh you know we were talking about just how rare it is to still be playing music yeah i mean i think you line up a you know you line up a hundred musicians uh who were playing music at 21 
against yeah. a wall and see how many are still right. doing it's it. It's true. At our yeah. age. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm one of the casualties. Yeah. Uh, but it takes a special person to just yeah. like put up with all the bullshit. Yeah. And just yeah. Just power keep going. Through. Yeah. So Simon says, and you did some touring around with them, right? Yeah, I mean, we played all over Canada. Yeah. Uh, we played down in the islands. We'd play down in Puerto Rico, St. Thomas. We didn't play so much in the States, but uh, the CD was a, was a success. And so, you know, when, when the band folded, I was, I was on my way to another, another venture. So, yeah. yeah. And what was, the, what was the style of music? A pop rock. Yeah, yeah, okay. It was pop rock. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, obviously, at some point in there, and probably much earlier, maybe maybe still in high school. Uh, well, it would have been a little after, I guess. We, you heard Queen for the first time, right? What do you remember that? Did, did it make an impression on you back then, or? I well, I always enjoyed Queen, but I remember playing what Simon says, and I remember after one of the gigs because we'd covered some Queen songs, and and the guitar player came up to him after the show and he said, "Johnny, he says you know what you sound like with, when you do that." He says, "You sound like Freddie Mercury." And I said, yeah, well, you know, went in one ear at the other, and I thought, okay, cool. Never would have thought of, you know, down the road to be doing Freddie yeah. Mercury. But it, it yeah. wasn't, you You might have, you thought you sounded like a lot of people or not. I or, did, though, yeah. you know, I just yeah. sort of could carry a lot of the, the rock songs, yeah. you know. But uh, So there was some, I mean, I guess if it was pop rock that you were playing and that was your interest, the kind of music you were writing, then Queen yeah. would have been in the... That's part of the ginger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also, like, that idea of... I mean, one of the things, and, and Lord knows I'm no Alan Lomax of uh, rock and roll, but it seems like they were very innovative in that just, like, the performance oh, aspect, yeah. like the theatrics of it. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Just incredible. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Simon says, uh, gets pregnant and yeah. uh, gets a, yeah. you know, a nine to five job. Right. So I'm <laughs> on my way to Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. So why LA? Well, the thing was, I was in limbo there for a year. I wasn't sure what to do. I was like, okay, I got to do something here. So I ended up working in a wood shop, and, but I still have all my limbs, which is yeah, cool. Right. Yeah, you yeah, kept yeah. your, your fingers, <laughs> yeah. enough fingers to hold on to a microphone. Yeah, yeah. So I was there for a year, but then I got a call from a friend of mine in Los Angeles. He says... Johnny, we need a singer. And I'm like, I'm there. And I said, what is it? He goes, it's a disco show. I'm like, okay, I guess I can cut that, you know? He says, but wait, he says, we all dress in drag. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't know. I'm thinking about this now. But you know what, I had nothing going on. I thought, let's give it away, you know? So I went out there, played with those guys. I had a blast. It was fun. So I was doing... West Hollywood, uh, oh, yeah. West LA, sorry, West, okay. LA, West LA, at these big outdoor concerts with salt and pepper and all the big divas and the disco era there. It was just an incredible time. I had so much fun. And you guys were all in drag? Uh, sort of drag. But, salt, yeah, salt and Pepper? More, I thought Salt and Pepper was like the hip hop group that came But they, they played in this festival. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was like they were at all kinds of different acts then. You know? I, I remember watching this incredible documentary about David Bowie's guitar player. Mm. I think it was his guitarist. And they were just these like, just talking about the band who were these like working class dudes from Leeds, I think. Mm -hmm. You know, just yeah. a not a. Uh, not a uh, gender-bending, futuristic kind yeah, of city. Yeah. And that they, they were, at first, very concerned about, 
dressing the way that Bowie and the band right. was supposed to dress, which was yeah. essentially half drag. Right. And That's then, what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. And uh, basically afterwards, when they realized just how how much tail they could get by dressing like women. <laughs> I know, I know. He yeah. was like, all of a sudden he was like, this is the greatest thing crazy. ever. I, I should have been so doing this fun. my whole life. I got, I had so much fun. But, <laughs> yeah. But I got fired. It's the first time I got fired. Oh no. Yeah. I just, the, you had too much fun. They let, yeah, I think so. I think I was sort of stealing the, 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 the spotlight. Of the, I think too much. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> just, I'd like to be there in the front. And I don't know, maybe uh, yeah. it was a conflict of interest with some of the other guys in the band. I don't know how it would, would came to be, but it was a lot of fun. It seems a little strange to accuse a singer of stealing the spotlight. <laughs> the know. spotlight is literally on I the know. singer. I don't. I don't know, you know. Well, it was a different situation. Should, yeah, if it yeah. should just like yeah. be trained on the bass player the well, whole gig. Uh, you know. Anyway, just, you know, yeah. it's, it is a, as someone who played in the, uh, uh, played a horn, which is, essentially like the very back of the you know stage yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> except for yeah, like you know yeah. uh clarence clemens is occasional solo but it's yeah, yeah. it's like you know the spotlight is for the singer sorry guys well it was a different type of show you know everybody was sort of in the spotlight in this one. Ah, okay you know, it was um, like a disco show it was, it was fun it was a lot of fun so so you're 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 in that era then you're now in los angeles yeah unemployed unemployed yeah <laughs> The only guy in L.A., yeah. of course. The only unemployed yeah, uh, I was unemployed. musician or actor in L.A. So I was like, I was looking around. I was trying to, you know, find other people to work with. But I realized that's not so easy. Yeah. You know, I had I had a great foundation back in Montreal. Even the disco guys were really cool. They were a lot of fun to work with. But then trying to get out there on my own and trying to meet people, that was a challenge. Because it just didn't seem to work. It's a it's it's crazy, right? It's a big city, but it's also super lonely oh and kind God. of everybody and, out for and themselves. Just, yeah, and there's just a lot of flakes, you know. I remember uh, calling up one band near Anaheim, and uh, he says, "Okay, Friday, six o'clock, let's do it." I'm just about to get out of my door, and he calls me, and he says, uh, "Dude, uh, practice is canceled." I'm like, "Okay, like why?" He goes, "It's raining." He says, oh, I said, yeah, well, that's a good reason. <laughs> Got you there, okay. So uh, all the best to you guys. <laughs> that is, that it's is raining. A, that is so, a very Angelino thing yeah, to yeah, break out yeah, for you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure as a uh, as a hardened northerner, you were less than impressed oh with there. Oh, my God, yeah. It's actually <laughs> quite funny. Actually. Did you think about coming back to Montreal then? or uh, I wasn't sure. But, you know, eventually... I, you know, looking for people, somebody found me and, and they were, I had a website out and I had myself out there, but I just didn't want to pursue anymore because I kept running into these roadblocks. So I said, I'll just give it a break. I was working. I was managing a cafe out there. I was driving limos. It was, yeah, I was doing all kinds of different stuff. So I, I kept surviving and I'm just waiting for that opportunity. And this guy called me and he, and he, he called me on several occasions and I said, I said, listen, man, I said, I'm just not interested now. So his partner in the band said, hey, did you call that Canadian guy? And he goes, I did. I said, but I think he's always stoned because every time I call him, he's like, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's just your natural exactly, you endorphins. Know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he calls me for the third or fourth time and he says, listen, we got a gig. We got a gig Saturday. We need a singer. Can you do it? And I thought, okay, gig, money, yeah, I'm doing it. 
meet us Thursday, we'll do a rehearsal, and then Saturday we'll do the show. I said, great. Showed up there Thursday, and as soon as I met these people, I knew it was, there was a connection. You're making like the chef's kiss yeah. Uh, yeah. gestures here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wow. knew, I knew, you know, you just meet people, and you don't even have to speak to them. You just know there's a good vibe happening. And this band was called Dazed and Confused, and this was a killer band. This was oh. a killer band. So when they said it sounds like he's high all the time, that was actually a compliment. <laughs> they were like, he's perfect. Yeah. He sounds like yeah. he's high all the time. Yeah. Dazed and Confused. All so right. this was a great band. So we rehearsed, uh, we played the gig, and then we just snowballed from it. We played the House of Blues. We were selling it out in Hollywood, doing all these great venues. Problem was... We're like making 50 bucks each night, you know? Wow. Because if you're going to do it, you're going to have the next band just knock on the door waiting to do it. You yeah. Know? But it was a great experience. God, it's like that. It reminds me when we were playing out with our, you know, shitty bands in San Francisco. Love you guys. But, you know, we had a long way to go. But the clubs, like, you know, you would, they'd make you buy 50 tickets yeah. first, yeah. you know, as the band. And then right. you, it was your job to sell them. And only after that could you keep the door or something. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like... The, the shady shit that clubs yeah. can get into. Yeah. At the same time, at the very least, like they're a place to play. And if you're, a, yeah. you know, the triple amateur yeah. <laughs> bands that I was in, then you're kind of like, yeah. oh, fuck, all right, let's do yeah. it. We, yeah. we want to play somewhere. You know, yeah. it's better than practicing. A lot of bands pay to play now. You know? Yeah, you that's, know? I guess, yeah. uh, I, I haven't even yeah. checked in yeah, on that economy, but that would not surprise yeah. me uh, yeah. at yeah. all. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that's uh, that would be a shame. But you, yeah. you, for the experience of being able to sell out these clubs and yeah. being able to play and just feel like you were building something, right. you were happy to, to take awesome. a little money. It was awesome. These were great venues and the players were great. And just we just had a good time. You know? What was the uh, what was the music style of Days and We Confused? did all kinds of classic rock. We yeah. were more like glam rock. We wore the wigs and the glitter and it was fun. Wow, we what really, is the costume change like on that? Because it, every... I think every one of those well-known acts felt like they were so committed to their yeah. look. Yeah. Like, you can't just go from, like, fucking Alice Cooper yeah. to ACDC yeah. without some serious, you yeah. know, grease remover yeah. and, you know. We sort of created our own character. You Got know? It. We just sort of created our own character. That's what we did. So it wasn't a cover band. No, it was a tribute to the, to the 70s. To the sound. Rock, to the oh, classic cool. rock sound. All right. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So it's like it's like in that style, but not direct yeah, exactly. covers. Okay. Yeah. So we did Cooper and yeah, yeah. great bands from the 70s, you know. Got it. But it was great. So you're running with Days and Confused. Yeah. Uh, not making enough money. No, just hanging in there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And then I, I was working at the, uh, the cafe in the Palisades. I was managing this cafe up in the Palisades. And I remember opening the LA Times one, one morning. And there was a little article that said, uh, can you sing like a star? And I thought, whoa, whoa, <laughs> what is this? I'm like... Like a stoned sounding person It, it was does. like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, here's my chance. Somebody put this ad in the paper for me. It was there for me. And I called it. Said, okay, they said, come on in. Uh, send us a tape of your music, and we like you. We'll call you, and you come for an audition. Sure enough, a week later, they asked me to come in. They said, pick an artist that you can do, like a famous artist. That, pick a song you want to do. So I went for the audition, and I thought, well, Bon Jovi would be good because I can do like a good always from Bon Jovi. So I was prepared. I walked in. And there was a guy sitting in the middle, no shoes on, long, scraggly 
gray hair, the t-shirt. I'm thinking, who's this guy? And he had a couple of partners on his side. So I sang the song and I gave it all and I thought, wow, I did a good job. I was proud. And then he looks at me and goes, thanks. And I'm thinking, thanks? That's it? Thanks? So I said, I got three or four seconds to make a decision here because once I leave this door, it's over. So I said to him, I said, listen, I said, can I do another song? And he knew I could sing. So he says, well, what else can you do? And I said, how about, uh, I didn't even know what to say, to be honest. I had no plan B. I said, how about Freddie Mercury? <laughs> he goes, you can sing Freddie Mercury? And I said, yeah. He says, go ahead. And so uh, without any music, I just started singing Bohemian Rhapsody. And his eyes got big. And I thought, oh, yeah. Now I could feel it, you know? Now I could feel something's happening. So this guy that we're talking about is Larry Klein, the producer of the American Music Awards. This is, this is a big, big shot here, you know? So, this, the man with the yeah, scraggly gray hair yeah, and, the, and the little time. Yeah, just hanging it. So, how, do you, how do you go, like, give, give me that opening, the Bohemian Rhapsody as a solo a cappella with no yeah. backing music. I was, I think I just sang the first verse. Mama just killed a man, put a gun against his head. Pulled my trigger, now he's dead. I didn't have to do much, you know? He knew. He, he, he knew there was it. something there. You yeah. Know? So w when I sang that and saw his reaction, I left with a good feeling, you know? I thought, okay, it's pretty cool, you know? And hopefully something will happen. Sure enough, a few weeks later, I get a call. Let's go back for an another audition. Go down to NBC, and that's where they had all the, the auditions happening. So I'm, I'm there, and I remember singing it again to other people. And the, the camera guy, he's like, man, if you put like a mustache on this guy, that's Freddie Mercury, man. <laughs> I was listening to the camera guy. He's yeah, the camera guy. It was the camera guy. Secretly like, the He's like talking to Larry. He's going, you know what? Put a mustache on this guy. That's Freddie Mercury, you know? So, you know, it, it built from there. So I went for three or four more auditions because they had people from all over the U.S. coming in for this show which was called Your Big Break. It was called Your Big Break. Your that break. was the ad in the LA Times. Yes. It was for a television. It was for a television show. So like a, uh, it a was like the, the, big deal network like show. Like the American Idol. Right. You know? Yeah. Back then, before American Idol, they had a show called Your Big Break. So I went to that, and then after probably about three or four auditions, I went up to Larry, because I was going for three or four auditions. I said, Larry, I said, this is three or four. What's going on? I said, how long is this going to take? You know, is there, is there going to be a decision made? And I said, I said, what? I said, we got to be real close. So I said, Larry, I said, listen, do you want me to host this show or, or, or am I going to sing it in or what? Well, keep, I'm hanging around here, but what's happening, you know? But what I didn't know was they had to get the rights from Queen for me to do the song. That was the first time that Queen were going to have a song sung by somebody else on a national network. So they had to get the rights for it. Wow. So that was, you know. So they wanted to do it, but, but there was Queen had to say lawyers. yes, you know. Huh. They had to, you know, they had to get that cleared. So it sounds it sounds like something they really didn't have to say yes to. Right, I mean, like right, exactly. obviously if you needed permission, but they right. they're rich and yeah. famous and, and they don't need it. Yeah. Know? The only thing was when I remember I was at the cafe and Larry said, just give, give it a week or so, you'll hear something soon. So I said, okay. And I remember sitting in the cafe around closing, the phone rings, and it was NBC saying, hey, listen, John, congratulations, you're on the show. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening, you know? So I was just ecstatic. Uh, it was just an exciting time. And I remember they said, we'll give you all the information in the, uh, in the mail in about a week. 
So I get this package from FedEx. I open it up. And out of the, all the Queen Library, there's one song that you don't want to do. You know, it's a crazy little thing called love. I mean, if there's one song you right. don't want to do, that's the one. So I, I have my own opinions <laughs> about why that is, but you tell me why don't you want to do well, that song. There's no, uh, there's no challenge in it, you know? I mean, for me, it's like a, it's, it's basically like an Elvis song, which, which is low-keyed, and it's, it's for me, there's, you know, there's no uh, challenge in the vocal. Right. So, and almost everything else they did had challenges everywhere in I terms don't, of the singing. Exactly. And, yeah. and the thing was, you know, so they, that's the only song they let me do. That's the only song they let me do was Crazy Little Thing Called Love. So, so Queen, back in England, were looking at this yeah, and they're like, so, okay. you know, yeah. you can do Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Yeah, we'll let you do that one. Wow. <laughs> so I, I, wonder, like, I wonder if there's damn. something where Freddie Mercury was like, I don't need to invite people to be singing this stuff. If they can do it better than people expect, then you yeah. know, if there's nothing good in, in that that's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. But then years later, they let Adam sing Somebody to Love. So uh, changed. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, whatever. Circumstances change. But I it guess. was a great opportunity. You still and, get to go on and television. And it got me to where... I ended up. So what? So what was that experience uh, singing "Crazy Little Thing Called Love" on NBC? You know, the thing was, it was I thought, you know, I had to just spice it up a bit. You know, throw in a few notes that, you know, just make it a little bit different. But it wasn't really about the song; it was about the experience, and that's what it was all about. It was about just being there, being yeah. involved, working with the with this choreographer from NBC, working with the designer, makeup and hair. I mean, just experiencing three days of unbelievable you know just experiences it's just, just incredible you know super professional people oh, it's just who are there to know, make i you remember look good. i think i was about 12 and my parents took us on an nbc tour you huh. know and, and you know you follow the tour through nbc right and i'm like you know i'm looking at like who's that and i'm like who's that and like you know and then the final day of my uh three days there was the shooting of the, of the segment so I've got my costume on and my hair, and I'm walking down out of the green room to the studio. I look over, and there's the group looking at me. I'm on the other side. Uh, that's awesome. That's cool. The young Quebecers <laughs> come to, you know, <laughs> you ogle know, the The tour's NBC. like, who's that guy? You know? <laughs> that's Freddie Mercury. Uh, that is Freddie yeah. Mercury. Yeah. And I, I should say, I imagine that you started to inhabit this you know about yourself later but you do have you've got a a, a beginning version of the overbite right, right? you exactly. know it's like perfect you can see you know you yeah. can see these little bits of mercury but you right. didn't obviously see it until Kramer did exactly in that same way yeah as yeah. in the lead up and once you had done it did you finally were you finally like giving in to this reality that like both physically in terms of your vocals like there's a lot of commonality yes and the thing was it's just, you know, you can do this show and the songs are just so powerful. And it's just a joy to, to do these songs. I remember doing a tour for like three months and I'm thinking, I got 72 shows in three months. And I'm thinking... This was right after. Oh, this was like break. a couple years after. Okay. But I'm thinking, you know, after that, I'm, I'm going to need a break. But that's the power of those Queen songs. It's like, you just keep, you keep going. It's just, it's just every show is like... The material so is much there. Fun. It's not a tour no. of seventy-two shows where all you sing is crazy little thing called no. Love. <laughs> exactly. You had the full catalog then. Open I had the up whole catalog. You. Yes. Um, how did you think you did uh, in that segment on on air? 
Like, it was, how did you feel? I thought I could do the best I could do. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. It was just a great experience, but there's so much you can do with that song. Yeah. You know, so I just... Um, who who won? There was a girl who did Linda Ronstadt, I believe. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a, she, it's a hometown favorite. Yeah, yeah she... The producer came up, he says, well, Linda won, but he says, I don't want to tell you by how much, because you might get upset. I said, you know what? This has been an incredible experience. Of course I would like to move on, but you know what? I'm grateful for this opportunity. That's that's, that's that's the the Johnny's Until Me outlook on life. Yeah, exactly. Which I appreciate. From there, you you realize that you could dine out on this for a while, right. both right. kind of like commercially and creatively. Exactly, you're like fuck it, like let's do this. And at this point, like, I, how long had it been since Freddie had died? That was 2000, probably about seven years. Yeah, seven, so I, seven, eight years, I guess. And you know, Queen has gone through all of these kind of ebbs and flows, of which you you know have have now kind of ridden along with them in terms yeah. of their popularity, right. and you know, with the new movie and yeah. and you know mm-hmm. all of this stuff, but. In 2000, it was still popular enough, and people yeah. were ready to be nostalgic about that music. Right. Yeah, uh, that you could support a tour and definitely. Yeah. You know, that's the power of the songs. Yeah, it's just they'll live on forever. These songs are just so great, you know. But even at that time, we were the first ones actually just take on a, a musical. At that time, you know, we, we took it to a new level. Who's we? Well. Mercury. Oh, right. Yes. You know? All right. Well, let's, let's let's go into that. Yeah, let's get yeah. into that. So, yeah. as as I've sort of hinted at, I I had a, uh, a an, I, I call it an abortive musical career. You know, it like yeah. uh, it got stopped before it could do serious damage to you know yeah. me or the people in my life. I guess, <laughs> but uh, there was a time where I was playing music, and it started really in Germany when I had gone out there as a teenager mm. and in an improbable way started playing uh, rhythm and blues with a bunch of East Germans who remained friends for yeah. life and many of them kind of went on and kept working right. on on their own music and became these great musicians and professional and working and, and forever musicians. One of them called me up and I'm trying now to remember because as you said this was like 20 years ago now. One of them called me up from Dresden and, and, uh, and had said uh, that he wanted me to talk to this Canadian yeah. about a band yeah. and I knew the band before they'd actually started Mercury before right. and Eberhard right. Ebby was a singer uh, who recently passed away right. which is uh, yeah. rest in peace yeah. Ebby I yeah. feel like at that moment that maybe they were they were kind of ready to move on from him and they were getting bigger and Queen mm-hmm. was already so right. popular in yeah. Germany and yeah. they were ready to get like step their yeah. game up. Yeah. It was a very big move for them because they'd was. never done any... I was like probably the last North American they'd ever played music right. with, yeah. <laughs> you know, or at least some of the people in the band uh, who had moved on to, to yeah. Mercury. So they, so how did that go? They told me to call you, was that... You called me. I, was, I remember sitting in my... Uh... Loft in Los Angeles. You called me, and I remember speaking to you, and I was like, well, I don't know about going to Germany. It's quite far. <laughs> it's real fucking you know? far. It's like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I was like against it at the beginning, you know? I was like, I just finished the show, and I said, there's a lot of opportunity here. Like, why would I go to Germany? You right. Know? The interesting thing was, there was so many people in my circle that was saying, give it a shot. Yeah. Go, go, man. Just Give it a shot. If you don't like it, you can come back. That is true. There was, you know? it was never, uh, they were never going to lock you in a, in a no, dungeon and just no. well, make you sing the, yeah, the hits. You know, so. But yeah, it was such a, and it was so strange because I think at that point I had already left music entirely and I was working at Time Magazine 
uh, and was like in my, you know, yeah. mid to late 20s. This is a very odd errand for me to run. And I, I don't I don't know if you uh, had caught a, a hint of that of just like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here, but I have friends and they don't speak great English and they would like me to ask you if you will move to Germany and sing Queen songs for the rest of your life. Uh, I mean, it's just a very, I mean, I, I loved it and I love talking to you uh, and especially the feeling like I could be helpful to these guys who I idolize as, as musicians. Um, but it was, uh, yeah. That's not a phone call that one forgets yeah. uh, on my side. I remember it <laughs> well as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you went over, uh, and and it, there was something I remember. There were some I forget what the metrics were, but they were already like making good money. Oh, they were they doing were, well. Yeah, and they were know? selling out like you know right. big venues, uh, big and, following. Yeah, and that, that there was something that they were like, tell him this about yeah, what yeah, we're doing, yeah, so yeah. they know that it's not right. just like a nightclub right. act right. or something. But it's funny because I was in Santa Monica, and I don't know. I met some musicians in Santa Monica, and they knew Mercury. I'm, I'm trying to find the, oh, the really? connection. Okay. But all they said was, "Great guys." Oh just wow! Just great guys. Yeah. I just you know, in, in, and undeniably, that's all, they, that's all they said was just great guys. And so, because um, I asked for some, they said, "You're going to Germany?" I said, "Yes." Yeah, Mercury band. He goes, "I know these guys," and I'm like. I can't remember the connection, but there was a connection. I don't know, but uh, I ended up going down there and going into Dresden all the way from... Uh, I flew into Frankfurt, then took the train yeah. from Frankfurt to Dresden. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, I got out of the Neustadt Bahnhof, and I'm like, oh my God. I felt like it was... An, 1943. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, shock. that's the thing about Dresden. It's the leads of, you know, yeah. Germany. I mean, it's a really like, yeah. uh, the architecture is oh God. Uh, really intense oh, and, it is. and brutal in yeah. some places yeah. and yeah. intimidating. And yes, it is. It's a very, uh, even a train station. Yeah. I mean, know? the train station, yeah. especially, is just like yeah. this arched, yeah. uh, gabled, yeah. you know, exactly. kind of brutalistic yeah. Yeah. thing. And it's like, it, it, yeah, it does feel it's like from a totally another time know? and another place. And going from LA to Dresden might exactly. actually cause like arrhythmia or some yeah. sort of heart problem. Cause it, it's, was, it was a shock, yeah. you know? But then you meet the guys. That's the turning point right there. You meet the guys and everything's good. Right. That was just a good feeling with these guys. All yeah. Of them. They just, you know what I mean? No, that's They, they that embraced you and they felt, you felt comfortable and you wanted to work with these guys. And it was only, only took a little time to realize the potential that was there. Yeah. You know, it didn't take long for me to realize there's potential here. Yeah. A lot. Well, and, you know, the thing that I was saying about them as musicians, like Tomas Engelmann, uh, who's the brother of, you know, of my really good friend, is kind of the conduit for all of this. He had gotten a PhD in the music of Brian May, which is like a ridiculous over-credentialing yeah. for being the guitar player in a, <laughs> yeah. in a Queen uh, yeah. tribute band. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they all, and, and, you know, they, they all came from this East German system. There was a conservatory system, almost right. like you find in Cuba or something, right. where they grow up being forced to play classical yeah. music yeah. and yeah. being sent through the ringer. I mean, right. Tomas's brother did the same thing. Right. He went to classical music and, uh, you know, conservatory. And, and then they, but their hearts wanted to play rock right. and roll. And they right. just brought a lot of fucking talent and, yeah. like, technique to rock and roll. What they were missing, and, and yeah. you know, 
God, God rest Eberhard, that dude yeah. didn't speak English. Yeah. So no, it's like, it's hard. You, you can't like, yeah. you know, it just, that's a, that's a barrier yeah. uh, to, it was hard to getting me. it done. Yeah. So, yeah. so bringing that extra talent felt like the thing that would like unlock, right. you know, the, the, the opportunity of Mercury, yeah. uh, the, the, you know, Europe's greatest uh, yeah. queen, maybe the world's greatest queen yeah. tribute yeah. band. Yeah. But what, how did it go? Like what, well, what, I remember the first show. We played in a sh- in a place called Finstevelde, uh-huh. just outside of Dresden. It was about an hour outside of Dresden, and we played in this castle, you know. And I remember singing "Who Wants to Live Forever" in a castle. I'm thinking, this is pretty cool. <laughs> this is pretty cool, <laughs> you know. And it just took on from there. It was just like it didn't take long. I think after the second show, I said, "Okay, guys, if you want me, I'm in," you know. And they're like. Really? <laughs> I said, yeah, let's do this, you know? And when I left, because I just stayed for a month, I said, they said, they weren't, they thought I was joking. They thought, you're not coming back, you know? You just tell this, uh, you know? I said, no, I'm coming back. I'll be back in two weeks. Came back in two weeks and so 19 you, years later. You settled your affairs in LA. Yeah. Got your shit. Yeah. Moved whatever you had to back to Montreal. Told my girlfriend, sorry, but, uh, you know. <laughs> sorry. I'm... Rock and roll calls, you know. <laughs> and it's taken me to Finstavada. <laughs> yeah, it's taken me to Finstavada. Uh, amazing. Yeah. And so, right, yes, you did come back, and I remember. Yeah. And then and then it becomes, you know, the way that this band, you know, worked for many years also was just like this was a living. And, you know, they, I, I, I love them all dearly. They are rock and roll at their heart, but... They're also like they're very organized thinkers and uh-huh. about their lives and their yeah. music and their money and it's you know they just like yeah. they're professional in every sense of that word. It brought me to a new level. Yeah, you know their work ethic actually brought me to a new level. I, would have, I wouldn't have achieved that in L.A. There's no chance. But working with these guys, I learned so much. Whereas in L.A., you're just surrounded by I would have been like exactly like, like where's the next show, dude? <laughs> right. Is it raining? Right. <laughs> Do we have to go to the gig? You know, but there's a, there's a different standard with yeah. these guys, you know, and uh, it was great for me. I, I, mean, I was on the wagon with these guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, and the music can be uh, sometimes they, they they have some like heavy metal acts that you know in in the in the group of people that were playing there, we were from you know we lived in the city where Rammstein was from. Like mm-hmm. there's you know there could be some intensity to the music, but in the morning. They're still lighting candles and setting out doilies for breakfast right. while they're, yeah. you know, yeah. boiling the eggs. Like there's something very special about a German rocker yeah. that is like yeah. it's a very different and kind of yeah. like in- incredibly conscientious and kind and quaint take on yeah. the rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Uh, which I always found like a very appealing mix somehow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, these guys are not going to piss in your boot, you no. know, the day after the no. show or something. No. Uh, they they will rock plenty hard on the stage, but yeah. uh, but they're kind yeah. of uh, pursuing a a very um, orderly life yeah. uh, outside yeah. of that. So that that had an effect on you. That kind of rubbed off. Oh, definitely, and it didn't take long. You know, we started probably about two thousand one, and two thousand two, we were already you know in this involved with this big major production out of uh, Passau, Germany. Mm-hmm. We, were do, we were the first ones to do a major rock and roll queen musical on a big scale. So we it's, had, we had it's this, not just a gig, but no, it's an entire now, plot line. Now, we're, and it's now a, we're taking on a whole new thing here. It's like, this is huge, you know? So we had this company come in. It was a queen, it was, I think it was a second queen party that we did. We do an annual queen party in Dresden celebrating Freddie's life every November. 
And so the second one that we did, we had Peter Freestone come down, and we had these people from Passau come down. We had a couple of thousand people in the room. It was a good vibe that night. It was really just, you know, it was just, it was on, it was, it was clicking, you know. And after the show, these people from the production company said, listen, we want to do a Queen musical with you. So we met the next morning for breakfast, and then we took on this whole new show, and it took us all over, all over Europe. We went to Sweden, we went to Norway, and Denmark, and Austria, Switzerland, doing We Are the Champions. Which was the show, which, which was, was... the Queen Rock yeah, show, yeah. Yeah, um, and how did that, and then you would still do concerts and yeah. kind of venues on yeah, the side. Yeah, so that would run like in the winter probably for, you know, a few months regularly. Um, these big theaters too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's good money and yeah, it's an yeah, opportunity to yeah. just like express the music in a slightly exactly. different way. Yeah. It was more like a, it was a play actually as well. Huh. You know, we had actors and dancers and it was interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I never got to see that. Yeah, it was well done. The, yeah. in terms of the, the feeling about Queen in Europe, how would you compare it to North America? And You know what I find now since the movie came out, it's... It's incredible. It's just opened up a new generation here. What did you think of that movie? I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I liked the movie. Yeah, it was well done. I yeah. Thought, like every, I loved it. Yeah. yeah. It was a great film. And it's yeah. such, I mean, I'm sure this is not your necessarily your first go-to thought, but it's great marketing for, oh my God, for yeah. you to just yeah. like keep, you know, Mercury yeah. and Freddie Everybody. and Everything. Queen it, just all alive yeah. and bubbling somehow. And what it did was it just... There's a new generation of fans now. You know, I just played Ohio like a couple of weeks ago, and I had this young girl, ten years old. She was almost in tears. She was like, she, "Oh, she goes, I gotta hug you." She goes, "I love Freddie Mercury." I'm like, "You're ten. <laughs> How do you know Freddie Mercury?" You know, he but, was twenty years dead when yeah, she was born. But imagine yeah. that. You know, it's right? incredible. But right. there's a whole new generation now. I mean, I think Queen's never been bigger. Yeah. Right that's now. a that is yeah. a trip and because of this new, this new generation of people and i feel like you are probably the one who probably knows best on earth yeah. how big queen is at yeah. any moment it's like yeah. your phone is ringing yeah. when you know oh, when it's... queen is having a moment and the kids are loving it yeah you know, they're just eating it all up it's it's great to see what's the hardest thing about singing freddie mercury's songs well you know there's there's some of them that are really demanding so you really got to be in in top shape like tomorrow we're doing the show for the benefit Freddie Mercury did a lot of music aside from Queen. He did his, his own project with Montserrat Cabier. And so tomorrow I'll be doing some of these songs outside of the Queen Library uh, with um, Marie-Josée Lord, a soprano here from Montreal. And oh, cool. so we'll be going to do some of the, the work from uh, Freddie and Montserrat, some great songs. And so going back to that, uh, you got to be on top for these songs. They're just challenging. Fallen Priest, How Can I Go On? It's, these are challenging songs. So and is know, it about the range? The is range. It about the, yeah. the range. You just got to be on top, you know? Yeah. Be prepared. But the good thing is, since, you know, the movies come out, and it's just been, I've been working every weekend. And that's the best thing for me. Because working every weekend keeps me vocally fit. So I'm, so it's I'm not, in the best shape now. Yeah, it's not know? about overdoing it. You need to no, actually stay training. I need to keep training. playing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like a runner, you know? How do you how do you manage? I mean, obviously, for a lot of your musical career, you had been a part of songs, uh, bands that created original songs and that had right. like some, you know, whether good, bad, or indifferent. It was some sort of creative vision. Mm -hmm. How does it feel like just 
interpreting another vision like you know you take it on for so many years you feel like they're your songs you know it's, you, you sort of get that feeling you yeah know? because you're putting your heart and soul into the song so it feels like you know it's part of the song is yours you've you've kind of stamped that right with through many many repetitions many years yeah. of like many emotional connections right. exactly so i wonder if there's some like trajectory like the band that writes a song and then is asked to sing it for 40 years yeah even though you know I went to see Los Lobos and like yeah, yeah. they were really fighting against the the need to play the the, the hit. Yeah. So it, so there was a certain kind of thing, and then here you're coming from. They're not your songs, but they're actually getting more meaningful yeah. to you. Right. The longer that you kind of stay with them, and you don't want to copy Freddie. You don't. You know, you you got to put your side into it as well to make it real. Yeah, but you you, you do put on a mustache. And oh yeah. Dress like yeah, him. because it's there's a, a show. lot of copying. Yeah. There's a show, of course. You know. But so what's the part that you don't copy of him? Where do, where do you where, what's the part think, that you carve out for I yourself? Think, I think a lot of the mannerisms that I use on stage, uh, like I'll just give a smile or a wink or, or something that's from me, right. you know, or even using a different vocal line sometimes, you know, or just changing it up a bit, just little things that give my, my personality into the songs. Is that, is that, is that for you or for the audience? It's for me. It's for me. And I think that transcends into the, or into the audience as well. You know, because breaking you know, the reverie just enough so yeah, they know just, that this yeah, is exactly, you know, yeah. you, need, you need to have that, you know, if you're going to go too, too much. It doesn't come across. Oh, that's interesting. Know, the heart, so know. there's like some percentage that you have to kind of scuff up the, oh, yeah, I feel the act for the, me. Yeah. The photorealism of the, yeah, of the project. You know? Cause you can, I mean, you know, I, I, we will put links in the show notes yeah. to, to yeah. you doing this, but yeah. You can get as fucking Freddie yeah, Mercury yeah, yeah, as yeah, you yeah, need to. Yeah. Like you have every ability to Thanks. go step for step yeah, with him. Yeah. Um, Thank you. But for you, part of the art is maybe when to hold back or when to right when to put in your own little notes. Right, mannerisms, just doing a different line and just you know putting your own heart and soul in there. It's important. Who's your competition? Who's out there trying to do Freddie on, on the on the level you're doing? Oh yeah, there's uh, actually there's another guy from Montreal. Who's uh, who's doing Freddie? It's funny really? he's from Montreal. As that well. is funny. Yeah. Is there something about the city that just I don't know is growing Freddie? He's he's like uh, he's nailing. He's got it down. Oh yeah. I'll give his name now, jeez. That's all right. We don't need yeah. to give him any press. Yeah. You're <laughs> you're you're the Freddie for me. Yeah. Uh, but it is yeah. But you're you're aware of the guys who oh, are out yeah. there in the game. You know, it's fine. You know, they're all out there doing their thing. There's a market for everybody. You know, yeah. there's a market for everybody. There's, there's enough. Uh, Love shows to do. So a part of what's happening now, I mean, after this, you know, somewhat incredible nearly 20 years uh, of, of being based in, in Eastern Germany and, and playing all over Europe and being a part of uh, my old friend's kind of musical mm-hmm. world down there, you are spending more time now back home right. in Canada. You're, yeah. you're getting a lot of work with, you know, other backing bands or as right. a solo artist. Yeah. Uh, where do you see it all going? Like, what's, what's next for... Uh, well, for Johnny's well, we have I have my show here, at Queen Flash, and uh, we we do a lot of the U.S. market here. It keeps us busy. I take it year by year, because you know I'm having a good time and I'm enjoying this, and there's a great demand for it right now. And the important thing is I'm I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And Can you so, save money? Can you? I mean, you're making a living, but do you are you going to be able to retire one day? As, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. If it keeps like this, I think I could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I but I don't I, think I'm going to stop. That's the thing. It, it's going to keep going. It's just going to keep going. I don't see myself stopping. Well, you, I mean, you're, you're fit as hell. You're yeah. obviously only drinking gluten-free vodka <laughs> in order to stay in this game uh, as long as possible. But I, you know, in, in a, uh, in a very strange and, and, uh, small way i'm i'm very glad to be a part of this incredibly interesting story oh. uh, of your life and career thank you for having me this has been incredible thank you johnny for well, coming and talking nathan thank you it's a great pleasure all right all right the trip from roads and kingdoms is hosted by me nathan thornburg alexa van sickle is our producer music by dan the automator episode illustration by daisy d show artwork by adele rodriguez Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Next week, I am crossing the St. Lawrence River to Kahnawake Mohawk Territory for a conversation with Mohawk chef Tiffany Deer. We talk about Mohawk food, we talk about culture, we talk about growing up during the siege of Kahnawake. We will meet you there. <laughs>